This morning's gospel, taken from the gospel of St. Luke, is a continuation of what we had heard last week. This is Jesus' return to his hometown, to that city of Nazareth. And it's the first sermon that we hear from him in Luke's gospel. This is really the beginning of Jesus' public ministry as Luke tells it. And it's one of my favorite gospel stories. You see, I love this story because it will often hope happen that I'll come home from church on a Sunday afternoon and I'll think to myself, wow, that sermon was bad. It happens. I mean, they can't all be keepers, can they? And yet, no matter how bad my preaching has been, no matter how terrible it's seemed to me, no one, no one yet, no one has driven me out of town and tried to throw me off a cliff like they did to Jesus in Nazareth. So I love this gospel. But I want to begin with those words from St. Paul that we heard this morning. I don't know about you, but I can't hear this text from 1 Corinthians that Reagan read for us without thinking about weddings, right? It's, it's like the scene in the movie The Wedding Crashers. Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson are two best friends who have made something of a career out of crashing weddings for the purpose of meeting girls. And early in the movie, the two of them are at a wedding service when the pastor announces, now the sister of the bride will come forward to share a reading from Scripture. And Owen leans over to Vince and he says, $20 on 1 Corinthians. Not a bet that I would take. Right? Not a bet that I would take. I mean, how many weddings have you been to where they've read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13? Or how many weddings have I officiated? How many weddings have I preached at? We've read 1 Corinthians 13. It's great for weddings. It talks all about love. And importantly, as we think about weddings, as, as other people think about weddings, right? It doesn't really talk too much about God or Jesus, just love. And so we can talk about the couple and love. We can talk about the congregation and love. We can talk about the wedding and love. And everybody feels nice. And it's good to feel nice on a wedding day. It's good to feel good. But I wonder. You know, all that niceness, all that comfortableness. I wonder. There's another wedding scene from one of my favorite movies, The Princess Bride. It comes at the end of the movie when the lead character is being forced to marry the villain of the movie. And the priest is standing in front of them oblivious, absolutely oblivious to what is going on. Marriage is a hoey estate, he says with his speech impediment. And all around him people are trying to stop the ceremony. All around him, people are trying to keep this from going on, but with a smile on his face, the priest has no idea. 
So he continues to talk about this nice thing that we all talk about at weddings. Wove, he says. Twoo, wove. Without a clue. That seems to be how we are when we think about love, really. It's nice. It's nice, but love doesn't really have anything to do with real life. We talk about love over and over again, and and it's nice. And we should be nice to each other, right? It's good to be nice to each other. Love is that thing that Hallmark is selling to us as we are getting ready for Valentine's Day. Love is sappy romantic comedies and bad made-for-TV movies. Love is that thing that teenagers talk about when they don't know what they're talking about. Or maybe you come from a family that doesn't talk much about love at all. You know, maybe you say, I love you once in a while to one another, but not too often. Certainly not talking about what you mean when you say, I love you. Sort of like the husband and wife who are fighting. When the wife says to her husband, you never tell me that you love me, to which the husband responds, I told you I love you when we got married. I'll let you know if anything changes. I mean, certainly in the world I grew up in, men didn't talk about love, right? Love was one of those girly words. Love was something that women concerned themselves with. Because it was just about sappiness and niceness. Not men's stuff. That's the love we usually talk about in this world. Love that is niceness and happy thoughts. Love that is some grocery store flowers and a card. Love that really makes no difference in this world. Love that is basically meaningless. Have you even gotten the criticism of my sermons? All he does is talk about love. Because after all, we know, love doesn't matter. And then, and then we encounter this story about Jesus. This story about Jesus' first sermon. And, and what does he talk about? Well, he talks about the love of God. And after Jesus talks about the love of God, they go and they try to throw him off a cliff. Jesus talks about love and they try to kill him. Doesn't sound too safe to me. I was listening to NPR this last week and there was an author on there sharing stories about his life with his son. And one of these stories was about he, in in the way that fathers sometimes will do, How about how he loved to impart wisdom to his son. To take his son aside and and share with him in particular little bits of historical fact. So one December the family was all home for Christmas and the author begins to share with his son about why there was no school that week. Now, they were not a particularly church-going family, and so he tells his preschool-aged son the story of Jesus. They talk about how Jesus was born, some of what happened in his life, and that central teaching of Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. They talked about that and, and, and what it was like to treat others the way you would want them to treat you.
little bit of historical knowledge for the boy. And as the Christmas vacation continued, they were driving around town. And as they were driving, the son sees this huge, almost life-size crucifix in the lawn of a local church. And who is that? Son asks the father. They didn't quite get to that part of the story. Who is that? Well, says the father, that, that's, that's Jesus. The same Jesus we talked about? Yes, yes, the same Jesus. And so the father explains to his son the historical facts. How the things that Jesus said had upset the people in power, how it had made them angry, and how they had Jesus killed. And the son soaked this in. A few weeks later, the third week in January, in fact, the son was home from school again. And so dad ducked out of work to spend some time with his son, and, and what a great opportunity for another bit of wisdom from dad. So the father explained about Martin Luther King Jr., and how King was a preacher, and how today they were celebrating his life, and that was why there was no school today. A preacher of Jesus, asked the boy. Yes. The same Jesus that you told me about. Yes, the, the same Jesus. And he also explained how King had taught that we ought to treat everyone the same, trying very delicately to explain the civil rights movement to a preschooler. How King had taught that we ought to treat everyone the same, regardless of how they looked. Sounds a lot like what Jesus said, the son observed. Yes, said the father. The boy took this in and thought about it with all the logic of his four-year-old brain. And then he asked his father, Did they kill him too? Did they kill him too? Love. The love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. The love that Jesus preached. The love that Jesus lived. The love that Jesus calls us to. The love that Dr. King preached. Love is dangerous. That love is risky. That love is threatening to the world. You see, that day in Nazareth, Jesus preached about the love of God, and in particular, that first sermon in Nazareth was about who God loves. And they tried to kill him for it. They tried to throw him off a cliff. The, the gospel story almost ended that day before it really began. Not because Jesus had threatened anyone. He wasn't like John the Baptist who had called the king a sinner. Criticized the king's new wife. Not because Jesus broke any of the rules. Not the rules of the state. Not the rules of the synagogue. Not at that point anyway. All Jesus did that day was talk about the kinds of people that God loves. And they tried to kill him. Love is dangerous. Love is risky. Love is not sunshine and daisies and a nice card and some flowers. They tried to kill him because he talked about love. Jesus preaches that day in Nazareth. 
And he says, yes. Yes, you are Israelites, and sure, you're good people. But. But it's not just you. And he goes on to talk about people from places like Syria and Sidon, places that don't mean much to you and me. But it leans into what Jesus will say later, that we ought to love our enemies and pray for them. This, this is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to love. God loves the people that you hate. That's what he says. God loves the people that you hate. And that, that is not an easy fact for any of us to accept. The people in Nazareth tried to kill Jesus for pointing it out. Think for a moment about what it means for you and I. We can talk on a global scale. And we can talk about the God who loves those people in Iran and Afghanistan and North Korea. God, that God loves the people that we are at war with. Or we could come a little bit closer to home. The God who loves the people who really get under my skin and drive me crazy. Not that you have any of those, but I do. The God who loves the people who hurt me. The God who loves the people who hurt my family, who hurt my child. What does it mean to talk about that God? The God who loves the people that we hate. If you think for one minute that love is easy, if you think for one minute that love does not make a difference, then I invite you to spend five minutes of your prayer time every day for the next week and think really hard about the person that you hate. Once a day, whether it's morning prayer or evening prayer or whenever you spend your time with God, and think about that person that you hate. And think about the fact that God loves that person as much as God loves you. And then, ask yourself, what would it take for you to love that person the way that God does? What would it take for you to see that person the way that God does? Love is hard. Love takes strength. Love takes patience. Not that I have to be patient with you, but that I have to be patient with myself because I'm not good at this love thing. Not the way Jesus wants me to be. Love takes courage. To love the people that no one else wants to love. To love the people that it would hurt your your personal life, that it would hurt your career to even be associated with. Love takes courage. And man, the next time you think that love is women's stuff, that love is wimpy, I invite you to go down to our cemetery and look at the plaque under our flag and and read the names of the three men listed there who gave up their lives because they loved their families and they loved their community. That is what love looks like too. Love is hard. Love is dangerous. Love is risky. Real love. Real love leads to the cross. Every single time, real love leads to the cross. Real love leads to that hotel outside of Memphis. Real love leads to the cross. 
And it is hard and it is dangerous. And it may cost us everything. And that is exactly what Jesus calls us to. Dangerous, risky love. And it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you, it's hard. And yet we try, again and again and again, we try this love. Because we know the truth of what St. Paul says to us, that without love, without real love, dangerous love, risky love, love that leads to the cross, without love we are nothing. Without love, everything else we do is pointless. Without love, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter without love how good of a person you are. Without love, it doesn't matter how often you come to worship. Without love, it doesn't matter how much money you give away to charity. Without love, we are nothing. Without love, everything we say and everything we do, nothing else matters. It has to be with love. Not with hallmark love. Not with good feelings and niceness. Real love. Dangerous love. Love that costs us. The whole of the gospel, from the Christmas story to the cross to the empty tomb, the whole of the gospel is God's invitation to us to love. Real dangerous get you thrown off a cliff, love. Real dangerous cost you everything, change the world, love. That's what we're called to. A love that makes everything else matter. A love that changes us and changes the world. And so says St. Paul, these three remain. Faith and hope and love. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these, the strongest of these, the most important of these, the most valuable of these, the greatest of these is love.